0: It's On seven figures, smart money strategies for women. Do you ever feel like you're a fraud? Imposter syndrome is a real thing, but is it all in your head? Or is it your intuition telling you something? Mary Braunschneider is here. Plus, in our No Dumb Questions segment, if you're planning to buy a house, unfortunately, there's going to be a good chance that you're going to either pay asking price or over the asking price to win the bid. So, what is the best rule of thumb to figure out how much you can really afford? And we'll take a seat at the kids' table. Today, we asked the kids about giving to charity. Tis the season, right? Well, some of their responses were a bit surprising to their parents, but it's completely natural. We have our expert in today. Seven Figures is sponsored by Advantage Federal Credit Union. I love it that you are here. Thank you for making time. I want to get you to that spot where you feel comfortable, you feel confident about your money, about your career, about your future. So, before we admit to our insecurities about imposter syndrome, let's start the show with no dumb questions. It is no dumb questions, because there really are no dumb questions. Our CFP Erica Cummings is here from the Harmony Financial Wellness Group at RBC Wealth Management. Hi, Erica. Good morning. All right, so the housing market continues to break records. We hear a lot about it. If you are looking to buy a house, chances are you're going to have to pay either asking price or well above the asking price. So help us break this down. The rule of thumb, the best way to figure out how much we can really afford.
1: So there's three rules. Okay. They're pretty simple three different rules that you can use in order to determine what your mortgage payment would be the first one is the kind of the golden rule that everybody looks at and so do banks look at these as well the golden rule is the rule of 28 so that means that your monthly mortgage payment should not exceed 28 percent of your gross monthly income so for example if you have a combined income in your household of eighty thousand dollars Your mortgage payment should not exceed $1,866. The next one is the rule of 32. This is your total housing payments. So rule of 28 is just the mortgage payment, principal and interest. Rule of 32 includes any homeowner's insurance, PMI, property taxes, and any homeowners association fees. This should not exceed 32% of your gross income. So that same couple that we talked about before, where their rule of 28 was $1,866 a month, their rule of 32 is $2,133. So once you start adding in those taxes, PMI, and in in New York, those taxes are are a big part of it. So once you add in those taxes, you may actually have to decrease the amount of the house that you can afford. Mm. The last one is rule of 40. This is your total debt and this is obviously going to vary by individual, so your total debt should not exceed 40% of your gross income. This would include auto loans, student loans, your minimum payments on your credit cards. So this is where, depending on the individual, if they have a car payment that's $150 a month versus someone who's $400, they may be able to afford more housing because you're looking at the total debt. If you have no student loan debt, if you don't have a car payment, all of these are going to come into play. So the banks are going to look at these ratios in order to determine how much you can afford. So you want to make sure that you're you're a premium buyer and it may mean that you because of these other parts of your budget that you may have to look at a house that's a little bit cheaper. All right. And you get to look at
0: all this before You get excited because when you see the house that you fall in love with, it could turn into an emotional purchase that you never want to make this kind of purchase on emotion.
1: Exactly. And also look at what your current situation is. Are your jobs stable? Are you not working in a field where there's going to be concerns about layoffs? Make sure sure that when you're getting into this, this is this is a big deal. You don't want to end up in a situation where um, you bid off more than you could chew. Okay. Awesome. Erica, how can we uh, find you and follow you? You can reach us at harmonyfinancialwellness.com. We're on Facebook by the same name. You can also always email me at erica.comings at rbc.com. And we'll also have our podcast starting hopefully in December. Awesome. Have a great weekend. You too. If you're being faced with having to pivot in your career,
0: but yet you feel a little bit like a fraud, imposter syndrome is a real thing. We'll talk about it next with Mary Braunschneider imposter syndrome a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their skills talents or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud who hasn't felt that Dynamic sales leader and business development strategist, mindset and success coach Mary Braunschneider is here. How are you, Mary? I'm doing awesome seeing you. Uh, thank you for taking time with us. Absolutely. You just drove back uh, back home to Chicago. You just had your daughter's wedding not too <laughs> long ago. And you're throwing this in the mix. Why not?
2: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Okay. So imposter syndrome, this is what um, our focus will be today. Because I feel like, right, when you describe what imposter syndrome is, it's almost like who hasn't felt that? No,
2: absolutely. And
0: I don't, I think even people that have
2: accomplished so much still have those doubts. Like they haven't earned what they're accomplishing still. And everybody has this. It's not unique.
0: So how do you overcome it? Is it something where it's almost like your intuition telling you something or is it really truly all in our head?
2: I think it's all in our head. I think it's that monkey brain of ours that casts those doubts and limited beliefs. And we go to start to do something new, something we haven't done before and we get excited. And then all of a sudden that recording comes in And I think, I mean, everyone falls to this. It doesn't matter what level of accomplishment you're at. Um, So I think it's something we need to talk about more so that people know they're not alone.
0: Now, have you felt it? Yeah. What was that one time that you're like, oh yeah.
2: (laughs) Do I have to narrow it down to one? (laughs) (laughs) Well, one time that speaks very loudly is even when I was promoted from Chicago Tribune to be VP of sales at LA Times, i felt it extremely then like who am i even though i had been in the career for 20 years and i knew this business so well and i knew i had worked so hard towards it when you end up getting what you dreamed of then you start going wait did i really you know deserve this and you start having all those doubts but i also sandy want to bring up when i totally pivoted my career that's also when it comes in really strong because you maybe don't have the experience in that specific industry or field, but you know it, you know you've accomplished so much, but because maybe you don't have the history in that specific genre or something, mm-hmm. um that's I think when it comes in super strong. And with everything going on in the world right now, when people are really pivoting their career and their I think it's coming up a lot for people. Yeah.
0: Well, that is true. You're absolutely right. Because a lot of, you know, people have been let go, not because they weren't good at what they did for a living. It's just companies had no choice but to cut costs. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you are in the spot where you feel like now what's next, how do I pivot? How do you overcome that? How did you do it?
2: Well, one thing I've learned is to really start taking a look at your accomplishments you have in the past. Um, they could be small, they could be large and start making a list of what they are. And you will be blown away when you start doing this of how much you truly have accomplished. Uh, whether that's being a phenomenal parent, whether that's leading a group of salespeople, whether that's accomplishing big goals. When you go back and you start writing the things you've accomplished and you look at that list, you start feeling like, yeah, you know what? I have done a lot and I have accomplished a lot. And I think those feelings of, I do deserve this come
0: back. So what was it for you? Take us, take us there to that day.
2: Yeah, I did exactly that. I started making a list. I had a mentor that said, make a list of all the things you love about yourself and all the things you've accomplished. and. It took me a very short period of time, in a couple minutes, and you start writing and the list gets very long. I don't care who you are, what you've done, you know you've done something, probably many things that uh, you can be proud of. And that's why I did that. And it's a great exercise. It seems so
0: simple, but it works. Oh, see, now you said you came up with your list quickly. I feel like if I had to come up with things that I love about myself and my accomplishments, I think I would need somebody to help me get started.
2: (laughs) You know what? The first couple items may take a minute because you're not used to thinking like that, but it flows and it can be very simple. You love your smile. You love the way you sound on air, whatever it is. All of a sudden things just start flowing and uh, you'll be surprised
0: so what if you are in a spot where you know you have to try to find another job okay you have to make this pivot in your career you're writing down your list how do you figure out okay what is next for me
2: yeah i would first start thinking of all the things that made you feel good about you and what you enjoyed doing so if you're taking a career pivot perhaps you're just writing down i love working with people i love an energetic team I love taking on projects that I spearhead. Uh, Whatever is, it doesn't matter. When you start writing down the things that you love doing that make you feel good, um, it'll start kind of formulating what you wanna do and what you see yourself doing in the future.
0: So you went from the what was it? Take us through it. First, the Chicago Tribune.
2: <laughs> so media for a very long time. So Chicago Tribune, LA Times, and then I did a major pivot because I had learned so much. Uh, I had a mentor about Proctor, um, that our thinking matters, we could set big goals, and we have so many limited beliefs. And when I started really discovering that powerful material, I pivoted. And I said, I want to help other people, other entrepreneurs and business leaders know this material. So that's what I did. I coached and mentored entrepreneurs. And um, believe me, I had huge imposter syndrome (laughs) come up like, who am I to help other entrepreneurs? And um, I realized how much people just need this information and then when i now have partnered with shea Robottom and helping people with video marketing on linkedin um all of what i have learned in my past and my experiences they just blend right in there but
0: Uh, yeah yeah now before when you were working for chicago tribune in the la times you weren't an entrepreneur at that point right
2: no i was full-blown corporate
0: and i'm going to say, I have nothing
2: negative to say about corp. I loved it. I love the energy. Um, it just became a time to do something different and bet
0: on myself,
2: Okay, but it was all a good
0: ride. Yeah. And now you've moved to the video strategy, which is something that a lot of people feel very uncomfortable with, but it feels like, or at least I've heard it, that if you're going to make any headway, you should get into the video side of things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And authenticity on the videos. So that's where my impact, I did an imposter syndrome video on LinkedIn, because even though I know this intellectually, when you go to do, let's say a video on LinkedIn, where it's a very professional um, platform, I also start going like, Mary, who do you think you are? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So I don't think it, it It just keeps coming up and I want to say the best way for people not to feel this way so strongly is for us to talk about it. And Sandy, that's why I think this is so important to be talked about because the more open we are about it, the more people go, oh, it's just a limited belief I have and I can change that
0: run through what you said in that video. Cause you, you said it in the perfect way, very concise bullet points.
2: Yeah. It's don't buy into your limited beliefs. Make sure you're making a list of at least three things you love about yourself and know that that is just a recording coming up in your mind that's stopping you. But it is when we go to do something different or something we haven't done before, That's where this comes up the strongest.
0: Do you think it's more of a, I hate to say women versus man, but I never hear my husband complaining about imposter syndrome. Me, myself, I'm like, oh God, what am I doing? Um, Honestly, Sandy, I think men have it more. Really?
2: They don't talk about
0: it. They don't talk about it. Yeah.
2: Because as I'm having these discussions with business leaders and entrepreneurs needing to do something different so they want to get into the video space or how to how do you brand yourself and market um and we have to come up with new ideas in this day and age we can't do the same thing we've been doing it just isn't working i speak to a lot of men and they have so much um self-doubt because and but nobody talks about it in females i think women tend to talk about it more
0: Okay. That's good to know. So now when you're looking at your boss, if you work for corporate America and you're sitting across (laughs) from your boss and you're trying to negotiate, you could just think they themselves are feeling it too. A hundred percent. Yes. Is there ever a time though where you, it's justified. Those feelings are justified because it's new territory for you. I think so. I
2: think you, I think before you majorly pivot, you need to do your research. You need to know your, your, got some knowledge in that industry, you have, uh, experience or you're learning. That's why continuing to self-learn is so important Mm. Um, because if you do want to change something, you you do have to have some experience at least in that area. I I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Sandy, I'm going to add that, especially I'm going to say for women. But running a household, if you have children or you've run a household, you've run a business. You have done a lot. You've managed your budget. You've you know, managed children going off in all different directions. And um, I think someone brought that up that uh, coached me on entrepreneurship. And she's like, yeah, but you've already run a huge business. You ran a home with three girls. And I thought, wow, that is really a great point.
0: Oh, see, that should be on our list that I would have never put on the list. she should be on everybody's resume. <laughs> yes, yeah, so and we all need to, actually, when we're putting together a list, we need to go to other people and say, hey, what is it? What is it about me that is is great or what do I do that's great? Oh, my
2: gosh. Sandy, perfect. Yes. Yeah. So a really great way is to ask people you trust. You got to make sure you trust them. Otherwise, people... Uh, ask them, like, can you just say, if you were to describe me, give me three words or something? That is great feedback. That's a great point.
0: So would you say advice that you would give to somebody who feels stuck right now or kind of just treading water in their career? Would you feel just, okay, do a little research, make sure you're going to, you know, explore territory that you belong. But do you feel like just Go for it, do everything and anything and see what sticks, or would you have a more narrow focus?
2: No, I would really know what you want. So I think defining your goal, what do you want? What do you want a personally and what do you want professionally and really have that clear in your mind? Because our minds think in picture. Our mind is like a GPS. And if you don't plug in the coordinates of where you want to go, that's why people feel stuck. They're just, they probably don't know what to do. And so if you have a goal and you're very clear on it and make it a big goal, um, because you'll accomplish those little goals on your way to the big goal. That's the way, that's the way to get to what you want.
0: So what's your, uh, what's your G as you said, in your most recent (laughs) LinkedIn video. Oh, your videos are fantastic, by the way. Follow Mary, her videos are spectacular, but what is your G, your goal? Um, My personal goal is just
2: to fully live with all experiences and be there for my family. Um, But my big goal, it's a financial goal and being an incredible leader, sales leader and business leader and helping others achieve their goals. Okay. I won't share
0: really. No, you don't have to give numbers. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> we're, we're all close here, but you don't have to get that close with us. <laughs> but I write it down.
2: I mean, writing your goal down, a very small percent of people do that, but the most successful people all do that. They write the goal in a very clear, concise way and they carry it with them. They look at it. They create their tasks every day around achieving that goal. So it's very important to have a
0: goal. Do you have an off day? Yes, I do. I do. And how do you get yourself out of that off day, that funk?
2: You know, I know how important it is to not stay there very long because, you know, we attract what we, where we are and what we think about. So simple things like taking a walk, meditating, doing something, um, reading something that I know is very positive that will help me grow um, consciously, spiritually, and something funny. It's always good to laugh.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, Mary, you are so wonderful. Thank you for all your little, it's like you sprinkled us with a whole bunch of little tidbits of knowledge and I love it.
2: Oh, well, thank you. And I just want everyone to know that everyone has talent, everybody's capable and just go for it. If that's what you want, because if you didn't, weren't meant to get there, you wouldn't want it.
0: Well, congratulations again. When are the grandbabies coming? Come on. You oh, just got God. it ready. <laughs> <laughs> just got married. Oh, gosh. Do you like him? Do we like him? Thumbs up
2: on the uh, huge. She's been part of my family in my heart for a long time, a mere formality, but Yes, he's awesome. Oh, good, good. And you would say
0: that either way, because just in case he heard this. <laughs> I'm going to make sure he hears it now. I'm going to make sure.
2: <laughs> thank you, Mary. Oh, gosh. Thank you
0: so much. Okay, grab a chair. We're about to take a seat at the kids' table. The best way to get your kids in the spirit of giving. Next. <laughs> to take a seat at the kids table founder of money savvy generation susan Beecham is here how are you susan
3: i am well how are you sandy
0: good all right tis the season we're all thinking about the holidays so it feels appropriate to talk about philanthropy and giving so today we ask the kids when they start making money will they give some away yes how often and who will you give it to
1: um i'll give it to charities and maybe like once a year
0: When you start making money, will you give some away? I might, depends on how much I make.
3: When you start making money, do you think you'll give some away?
0: Mm, Maybe.
3: Who might you give it to?
0: Someone that needs it.
3: How often would you give it to them? Like
0: every week. When you start making money, will you give some away? No. Why not? because I wanted to save up to buy a house and save up to buy food. When you start making money, will you give some of it away? No. (laughs) You're so cute. (laughs) You're not gonna be philanthropic with your money? No. What's that? When you give your money away. No. You give it to charity or you give it to people who need it? No. I'm gonna keep my money and save it. So that if I need something really bad, I can buy it
1: when you start making money. Will you give some of it away?
0: I would give
2: it away for someone that was poor and didn't have any money or a house because that would be the right thing to do. Because if you're if you have money, it might just make you want more, then that's not what's right for the
0: world. Mm. so sweet. These kids, okay, we love her. I know, I mm-hmm. it's the right thing to do. Now, you know what I found interesting? And some of the kids who just immediately responded with, no, I'm going to save it. Like, duh, why are you asking me such a foolish question? Is there a conflicting thing going on here where we do tell our kids, save your money, be smart with your money. And then all of a sudden we're trying to tell them, oh, no, give your money away. How do you make that less confusing?
3: Uh, By talking to them about what the money you give away does. Hmm. So um, I can remember watching a father give a very young boy, his son, a quarter in his hand at church to put in the collection basket. And the little boy got the quarter and looked up at the father with this look like, oh, my gosh, he's giving me money. This never happens. And the father's thinking, surely my son's going to know that he's going to put it in the basket. Well, the basket comes around. And the child is horrified that what has just been given to him, money, which is super provocative, mm-hmm. doesn't happen on a regular basis. He now is expected to put it in this basket. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> and- And parents are always surprised about that. Yeah. The the thing is, especially our younger kids, don't have enough experience with having their hands on money and the ability to do something with it, like spend it wisely, save it.
0: So you're saying that it's natural because for some of the parents, when your kid immediately says, no, I'm not giving it away, you feel like you failed
3: as a parent. You know, (laughs) you're like,
0: oh my God, my kid just said they're not going to be philanthropic.
3: Many adults will tell you that They will start donating when they have a million or more dollars Uh to their name. A lot of people feel like, so these kids are not alone. A lot of people feel like they have to have a lot of money to be a giver, Mm -hmm. especially a giver of money. And I think it's perfectly natural for kids to say, "Uh uh-uh, no way, just got my hands on it. I've got, I'll, I'll, you know, I got my back covered. You take care of yours. <laughs> yeah. What kind of foolish question are you asking? me? give this away. Right. right. And and this conversation is so great to have today because it's we're coming up to the holidays. And whether we have a conversation with extended family across the table or on Zoom or on FaceTime, it's a great time to talk about how we put the do and donate. So when kids are really young, they don't want to give away their money. But you know what they will give you? They will give you their time and they will give you their talent. So teach your child how to put the do and donate. And the way you do that as a family, what are you doing? Where does mom volunteer her time? Where does dad volunteer his time? Where does grandma or grandpa, aunt or uncle? There's just a, there's a ton of things we do as parents that we really don't talk to our kids about, right? We don't, we don't say we're volunteering at work. Um, we don't say we're volunteering in the community as much as I think we should. So start by helping them understand what a charity is. A charity is a group of people who get together to help make the world a better place. So then help them pick a charity. So they can they can do something that maybe they know about locally, like a food pantry. Animals. Kids love animals. There are so many animal shelters. And help them get information about how any donation of time, talent, or money would be used. An activity that would bring all this home, wrap it up in a bow, would be to fund a family donation pool. So you as a family decide, we're going to put $20 in a family donation pool. So mom and dad, you're going to be the funders. And then you're going to ask the kids to present to you the charity that gets the family fund Mm -hmm. donation pool, all right? So they they present the charity that they've looked into and they convince the family that this is where we want the $20 to go. You can get grandparents involved in this uh, and it opens the door to having a discussion about, charities that mom and dad are involved in charities that grandma and grandpa are involved in. And you should pitch for your charity as well. I would say success breeds success. So make sure your child wins. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and um, grandparents, if you talk to them in advance, grandparents might say, "Um, we love what you've presented, we believe in this charity. So I'll tell you what, we will, we will put more money in the family foundation pool will match your donation um, we'll have another 20 put in for the next round for someone else to pitch
0: okay i love it where can we find you and follow you susan and learn more
3: listeners can follow me at my blog which is at susanbeacham.com and they can find money savvy generation's award-winning products and some free resources at moneysavvy.com.
0: Another fantastic show. So much good stuff. Let me know if there's a topic you want us to answer in No Dumb Questions, if there's a guest you want me to try to get on the show, or if you need help talking to the kids about money, this podcast is for you. Before we leave, today's money victory shout out goes to Amy Nicole. She said put $4,000 down on a new vehicle last week cheers to you, Amy, and each and every single one of you who is proud to say you're on your way to being a financially confident woman. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Seven Figures podcast. Click subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Seven Figures is sponsored by Advantage Federal Credit Union.